Okay, guys, so this week we're switching it up a little bit. You're going to be getting some individual clips from an episode that was pre-recorded a couple weeks ago with a good buddy of mine. It's going to be broken into multiple segments, uh, just a little bit of extra bonus content for y'all until we get things sorted out. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy. Have a good one. All right, guys. So this week for our topical conversation, me and Landon have compiled a list of our top five movies. Yes. And, uh, we're just going to have a conversation. We're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about why we like them, maybe give a brief synopsis of the movie. So if you all have never seen him, we highly, highly recommend that you guys watch these movies. Landon, you want to lead us off? I would be honored. Good, sir. Um, so, and this is going to probably piss a lot of people off, but we're starting at five and going up to one. So it's technically the bottom of my list, but I don't want anybody thinking it's there because I don't like the movie. These are my top five all-time favorites. Um, at number five, I have the one and only Goodfellas. Um, I, I think one. it's kind of, oh my God, man. Um, you know, before I got into the Sopranos or basically a Bronx Taylor, any, any mafia movie, it was Goodfellas that started it all off. And I, I was too young to even understand what the mob was. I, I just, I thought the fact that they dressed that way and talked that way and crime, you know, they did crime and they were involved in this family aspect that also involved so much deceit and drama and death and so much sadness. I thought that that was amazing as a kid. So, I mean, I don't know. I was probably 11 or 12 the first time I watched it, which is probably young. Wouldn't recommend for any parents out there listening, but it was uh, when I first saw it. Another amazing thing about Goodfellas is, uh, you know, obviously Scorsese film, you're going to have those super long panoramic shots, you know, not quite as long as, you know, not quite as long as Tarantino, but you're going to have some really, really long shots, like 30, 45 seconds, sometimes even over a minute of one just carrying shot. And it's always that, you know, they walk into the club and the camera sort of follows them in and then they drift to the side and you get them sitting at the table. But it's all one continuous shot. And I had never seen that in any film ever. And I'm a big, you know, cinephile when it comes to cinematography. So I was entranced by that. But yeah, everything from the dialogue to the cinematography to the straight up professional top notch acting in that film. Oh, dude, it's, got, it's next level. I mean, you're talking next about level. the the you're talking about three main guys that are in the three of them. And when you're talking about especially any type of gangster movie, they're the I mean, they're the they're the go to they're the go to guys. You're talking about I mean, we, what we got Robert De Niro, got Joe, Joe Robert Pesci, De Niro, and Joe Ray Liotta. Pesci and Ray Liotta. And you know what's so Casino, a Bronx tale, uh, this new one that came out, The Irishman. They have used the Goodfellas template for all of these films. It's almost like Casino, Bronx tale, all these were like predecessors or precursors to Goodfellas. And I think that that's amazing that Scorsese was able to create. A, a movie universe way before Pixar, you know, way before Marvel, you know, he was created. It's, it's like what M night Shyamalan has done with a lot of his films, but I won't oh, dude, go on a tangent. <laughs> oh, dude, uh, 
I know that, and you know just as well as I do, I know how you are about movies and I know how I am about movies. And it's one of those things that can just like take you away because it's just to the point to where you're like, you want to talk about the art form. You want to talk about the content. You want to talk about the the cinematography. You want to talk about the acting and then just go and then you want to do those things. You want to talk about them in depth, you know, especially when you have just one of the guys, you have a, a guy like De Niro who's been in a million A-list movies. He hardly ever, if never disappoints. It's just, it's one of those things where when you bring guys into a room like that, into that type of setting with that filmmaker, a filmmaker that guys literally, for instance, um, Jonah Hill, when Scorsese did Wolf of Wall Street, he wanted to work with Scorsese so much that he took the minimum salary that the actors union would allow him to take. So he would get the part because he wasn't the pick for the movie. Much respect, man. You have to respect moves like that. I mean, and, and, and that just goes to show how bad he wanted to work with Scorsese. I mean, and we all know he's the legend in his own right. Um, but to keep the flow a moving, I don't want to stay on it too long. Would you like me to read my, second favorite or would you like to go on to your number five i will just go ahead and go on to my number five and then all right we'll just go with the flow man after that all right. if we feel like we want to double up on some we can double up no big deal all right all right hit me so with it. my number five i'm just gonna preface it with this man i've seen a million movies when I try to sit down and make this list, first we were talking about doing 10. And then I was like, ah, that's just not enough time. And then I was like, okay. And then you're trying to take that list of 10 and you're trying to squeeze it into five. I'm and, sorry. Uh, man. Oh, dude, no, there's no reason to be sorry. But I mean, it's it's a real, because there's just, I mean, we guys, we wish we could sit here and talk for four or five hours. But I mean, let's be realistic. You guys aren't going to sit here for four or five hours. We no. can't sit here for four or five hours. So we, we just have to do it. We have to give you. We have we to compact it. So somehow. this list, it's they're generally in order. I had to move some out of the bottom that I just felt like I had to have on the list because they just they they are so the movies that I moved, they needed to be in the top five because of just the way they're unique. Okay. And that there's not a lot of movies like them and their filmmaking technique and the acting technique. So with that being said, my number five is going to have to be the big Lebowski. Oh, you have Steve Buscemi. And this isn't even, this isn't even when you're talking about notoriety, Steve Buscemi, one extremely underrated actor, but two, he's not even the main guy. You have Steve Buscemi. You have Jeff Bridges and you have John Goodman. Those are the three main characters in the whole movie. They're, they're three killers, three killers, man. And yeah. they came together. I can't, well, it, 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 one of my favorites. It's in just to, to, to just explain how insane the movie is. Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, rest in peace, my guy. Rest in peace, Philip. Was a not a secondary character of the movie. 
in the movie. Agreed. Not Agreed. even a secondary character in the movie. This guy, when you're talking about character progression, is on the third rank of the to- totem pole of the characters in this movie. He has there is no character arc. He's just there. Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's insane. And the Coen brothers. Well, and it goes to well, it goes to show like the time that that movie came out. I mean, because we all know we all know Philip Seymour Hoffman from what Almost Famous. That's got to be one of his biggest movies, and I mean, countless others. But for yeah. him to be on the third rung down, I mean, it's it's almost like they had so many big batters at the plate. They had oh, to go, dude. hey man, hey man, we we just can't fit you in. We got to put you at a lower level. I mean, dude, John Goodman and Jeff Bridges put together is one thing, but to add Bushimi on top of it come on dude yeah it's it's one of those things where and when you listen to those guys talk about the movie they talk about how there was just so much competition that they walked away from those auditions and they're saying i I don't i don't know if i got this part and john goodman went as far as saying that whenever he left the audition he said i i don't think i got it john goodman i didn't know that i had no idea man and uh one of the things i love about the movie the most is that it seems so improvised it seems like such an it's such an improvised it's improvised-esque film but every single little and um everything 100 question question okay well you kind of just answered half of it i was about to ask do you think it's 100 scripted or do you think they had a script that was designed that way for it to sound a little bit improv a little bit open-ended a little bit loose or do you think that they had a full script and those a-list actors came in and did their own slight little versions of improv that got by over the director because that i could totally see that happening you know they have a lit uh, a script that's written to sound like it's improv but in reality the actors just take it read it as such and they throw their own stuff in there I think it's got to be a culmination of the two. It has to be a culmination. of It really does. You know, and they say, I mean, the movie was made over 20 years ago. So what do they really remember? All those guys have been in a a ton of A-list movies. So what are they going to remember from this specific movie? You don't know. And plus, that's just the things we know that they work on. How many films don't get picked up that they work on and things like that? Of course. I know they've said that the Coen brothers writing was they said it's all scripted but with those guys and what they're the kind of acting styles are known for there's no way that they're just going in there and going straight off 100 percent. there's no way they're just reading cue cards man there's no way and i i although to to your point though man the coen brothers do stick to script and that kind that's kind of what makes their films so it's a that's that I would, yeah, that's one of those where you'd have to sit down with John or uh, or Jeff and just like actually ask them. But yeah, that makes you goodness. think. That makes you think about all the little things in Oh Brother. Oh, don't even get me started. Man. How how many so of those many. little things were improvised? How many of those little things were scripted? And it's just, it's. I think that that's why I had it. I had it at seven. I had to move it to five because it's just one of those unique it's a unique piece and it's honestly one of the funniest movies i've ever seen in my entire life period no it's it, and and it's comedy is not 
it's not satire, right? It's not deadpan. It's its own thing, man. They, they really made their own, God, I'm going to sound so metaphysical saying this, but it's like they made their own form of comedy in that movie. And it only lives inside of that movie. Like I've never seen it again. I've never seen it replicated. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it, I've never seen a stand-up do it or attempt that style, that timing, that Mm -hmm. cadence. I've never seen it. It's It's almost uh, like um, a mixture of satire and ultra, ultra, ultra dry. Yeah, that's yeah. Because there's not a there's not a bout of blatant humor in the movie. I think well, I take that back. There's there's a scene where uh, the dude he goes over to Jackie Treehorn's house and he traces it out, and it's just a picture of a of a statue with a penis with a large with like a super huge penis that he drew but even that it's not it's not ever stated he just looks at it and it's like oh whatever and he just crumbles (laughs) up the paper and puts it in his pocket and that's it and that's it yeah man it's 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 one of it's one of the all-time best ever man i love jeff bridges too personally he's uh, he's he's one of my favorites uh some i I love him he's one of my all-time favorites I think just he made some decisions that he thought were going to be great. And it just kind of like fizzled out there, but you know what? I hope, I hope I know he's dealing with lymphoma right now and it would be really tragic to see a guy like that go. Um, I mean, he's, he's a little bit up there in age, but he's not by modern standards, what I would consider to be an old man. So hopefully he's around to do at least a couple more. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure, man. I'm sure with today's medical tech and with that strong will, man, to do all those fucking movies. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he'll be fine. Here, let me battle back at you with one, Gus. Um, this is my number four. Uh, it's um, everyone and their mom has seen it. It's really I, 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 there are no words. Uh, good will hunting. Um, mm. It's Robin. I know that's all that's all you Matt can Damon. say, bro. I know. I know. Rest in peace, Robin. And it, it's he, here's what that movie did for me, I guess, if, if we'll take it right there. Um, I, I've always considered myself a very simple-minded person and a simple working person, just someone who is kind of going by the books and just, you know, no conflict coming my way. I'm good. Um, when I watched Goodwill Hunting, I saw that there's a person like that who's very challenged because he's actually crazy intelligent, but all he's doing is manual labor. All I've ever done is manual labor. So it kind of gave me this connection as a kid, like, okay, if you have this feeling in your heart that you could be something else, you should give it a go. Um, but I, you know, I don't think that's the whole point of that movie at all, but that's just what I took from it. Um, but I have to say one more thing before it falls out of my head. The one it's not the one line it's this it's the part of dialogue between uh ben affleck and matt damon towards the end of the movie when matt's back at the you know brickyard they're laying brick and it's just you know hard work and they go to eat their lunches in their you know 10 lunch boxes in the fucking brooklyn or wherever the fuck they are boston i think boston yeah and uh ben affleck goes um if you're still here laying brick when we're 40 i'll fucking kill you and I think what Matt Damon had said was something like, you know, what's wrong with this life? You know, take my kids to Little League. You know, I lay brick for a living. It's what I do. And Ben Affleck's like, fuck you. You are a fucking genius. If you stay here and continue to live this life, I'll fucking kill you. 
because you're an asshole. We all want to get the fuck out of here. You have the actual option, man. And I, I just thought it just hit me so fucking hard. It, it hits me the same way every single time I watch it. It's one of those where, and I know that you have some movies on your list like this, and I know that I do, where you watch it a hundred times and the hard hitting moments, they hit you hard every time. doesn't matter. You've seen it a hundred times. You've seen it one time. You've seen it a thousand times. Doesn't matter. Makes you feel the the same. Dude, the first time I saw it, Mike Tyson punched me. And the hundredth time I saw it, Mike Tyson punched me. It's just the same hit every single time. And that it's, that's what they say with film. Gus is like, that timeless factor is what makes a great movie. And if you can watch it time and time again and have that same feeling, you got a fucking winner. Oh, one, 110%. And just the over, what baffles me about that movie is you're talking about two guys, write A movie. It's on a shoestring budget. You get Robin Williams. And then you have guys that end up being some of the biggest names. One of them plays Batman, Ben Affleck. And then you have Matt Damon, who's been in Jason Bourne, Jason Bourne. (laughs) He's been shrunk. He's been (laughs) he's been aging in reverse. I mean, we're talking about Benjamin Button here. man. I mean, he's he's next level. The guy just he can he can do any project. And that's I think when you look at those movies, a lot of those great movies, whenever you have one big name guy. Because at the time this comes out, Affleck, Damon, they're not big name guys. Dude, and they're 21 years old. Yeah. You have these guys who generally the way this goes, especially now, is you have that one big name guy and then you have two. Well, they're I mean, they're the main characters of the movie, but then you have two lesser known guys. Those guys maybe do one or two more movies. And then what? Yeah. Casey Affleck. I mean, you know, couple. Yeah. And then you have. uh, you, you that's generally the way it goes you don't generally have a movie where you have a superstar at the time robin williams being a movie with two guys that aren't very well known that are super young and then one obviously everybody knows who robin williams is and then two now everybody knows you have affleck and you have damon, Matt damon. it's 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 insane it's insane the role reversal yeah that it's the cinematography also is kind of, i feel like it goes without saying but it's it's underrated man if people don't understand like boston is such a beautiful city on its own but the way they captured it in that film dude it's not i mean they really gave you that going to college in boston experience it was god fucking fantastic well because what the film tries to show you it's it's trying to convey a more than uh tourist attraction film set and a lot right. of movies are like that. Like even um, a really good movie that I, I had b- before on my list and I ended up replacing it. I t- even took it out of my 10. It was a movie with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal called Stronger. And th- great movie. But it's one of those movies, again, where, yeah, they have a dive bar in an apartment building in the movie. But literally the whole, the rest of the movie is just it's tourist, tourist attraction film. Uh, filming which is fine but you don't get movies that provide you that authenticity or that like you said that timeless factor they don't make a lot of them anymore and that's no, that is one of definitely them definitely not 100%. yeah i hope we get back to it soon 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, with uh, they said they're making three more Fast and Furious movies. So, yeah, yeah. You know, all we can do is pray. Yeah, all we can do is pray. That's all we can do. Lanny, you want to go ahead and hit number three or do you want me to go ahead and hit my number four? Um, Hit your number four. I'm curious. Okay. So my number four, you know, a lot of people have seen this movie. Okay. A lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. Um, I think that's because of the, the main character in the movie one the guy is shrouded in controversy and two it's one of those things where people that love his acting they love it people who hate it they hate it it's i mean i'm not going to compare him to nicholas cage like there's like two nicholas cage movies i like but and i'm not going to do that to the man but but it's kind of has that vibe where there are people that like nicholas cage and then there's a lot of people that are like nicholas cage's garbage actor super over yeah, the this top. is this is quite a build-up i'm very excited for this now yeah i don't know i'm not i don't want to let you down my number four is the patriot oh how could you with broderick how could you let me down with the patriot oh it's it, a yeah, fantastic movie the patriot you have mel gibson he's come i mean he's the main character in the movie it's for anybody who hasn't seen it I mean, maybe there's like five people left on the whole planet that haven't seen it. I'm sure there's more, but, you know, but you know what? I'm just realizing I said Broderick because I'm thinking about the movie Glory instead of The Patriot. Wow. The Glory is Glory is a great movie as well. Matthew, bro, uh, that dude, that is a great movie. Glory, that dude, don't don't beat yourself up. It happens. It was a slip I, of the uh, tongue. But God, you know what? You God. think about it. It's a similar type of movie. Well, and they were patriots. You know, it's. I, yeah, I, I mean, you have Matthew Broderick, Denzel Washington, Morgan. Well, we'll have, Glory, but we'll, we'll have to, we'll we'll touch on that. That'll be. We'll have Dalton list. back. We'll have Dalton back soon. It'll all be good. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so. Yeah, my number four is The Patriot. Um, one, I love the way the movie's shot. I love I love the way the movie's shot. I think it's, it's not beautiful. it's not super complex. It's not complex, but the the way they film the movie where it's not overproduced. It's not an exactly. movie, if that makes sense. It's perfect for what yeah, it is. It it wasn't Michael Bayed out. You know, they didn't take it too far and blow it up with the cinematography. They used the natural landscape, real horses, all that good stuff. Natural I lighting. I believe it was actually filmed and shot in Scotland, right? Scotland or Ireland or one of those, right? It could have very possibly been. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I've noticed and I don't know if there's a correlation. It might just be a similar landscape. Have you seen Free State of Jones with McConaughey? I have. Okay. It, I don't, they seem very similar. Like the town, the town mm. that they go in in 12 Years a Slave, whenever they go to vote, mm-hmm. not 12 Years a Slave, oh my gosh, um, Free State of Jones. The town they go in to vote in Free State of Jones, it looks like the same exact town. I don't know where either of them were filmed. It very could have well very well could have been 
filmed there because i mean hilly landscape i i did think it was a bit hilly for the northeast because it's yeah it's it's, i mean because it i mean it's so crazy because they can film a lot of movies here in the u.s and make you think you're in fucking mordor in lord of the rings you know they really are able to find these crazy spots in our geography to make it look perfect but i wouldn't be able to tell you with free state of jones man i have no clue that one was i mean it does look very similar to the patriot though you have the swampiness plus the plains truth you know but the cinematography is beautiful the acting is fantastic um i mean there are some other a-list actors in there but i mean you have mel gibson main uh orlando bloom dude in that movie well and i mean okay tell me about you know they'll never take our freedom i mean how do you feel when that scene comes on and he's riding that horse in front of all those fuckers and they're just ready to go to battle and there's so little of them and so many of the i mean the every time i watch that scene dude i'm fucking ready to go like i i can fight a motherfucker in my living room after watching that scene it's just so it gets me so hyped yeah landon i hate to do this to you dude but i think you're thinking of braveheart bro holy shit Oh, we got it. Don't you dare take this out. I'm this not. Is, this I'm is not, quality. I'm not taking it started, out. We it's, started with glory. Then I went to Braveheart. <laughs> and we're talking about the fucking Patriot. Yes, right now. the Patriot, the movie about the Revolutionary <sighs> War with Orlando Bloom and Mel Gibson. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the uh, yeah, the yeah, old, the yeah. one of the famous lines from the movie is aim small, miss small. And then the other one is um, why? Why should I? Tr- why should I trade one tyrant seventeen thousand miles away for seventeen thousand tyrants one mile away? Okay, I am seeing the movie now. They fuck with his family, takes yeah. off running, and, and he then, has the yeah, American yeah. flag. You know, it's okay. very patriotic. You know, Tia hates that movie. She what? said it's like, dude. She says it's so depressing, and I'm like, but they win at well, the end. And she's like, well, okay, so everybody okay. dies, and I'm like, it's a war. People <laughs> die in war. wars. That's war, babe. That's just how it goes. No, I mean it is depressing as shit. Okay, and now I would like to say that I am solid on the fact that I know which movie we are talking about now. I know it took me three tries, but I'm here now. That movie is depressing. I'll I'll give her that, but. Dude, the revenge in the end. It's the so revenge in the end is so dude, sweet. He's so, I don't even know if you can use this word anymore, but it he, he is a savage in that movie, man. He is a fucking savage. And it's like it, I don't know, man. I don't know. Mel Gibson yeah. is a no, he, he can access that other side when he's on camera, bro. The the part where he got that guy runs away and into that creek bed and he throws the hatchet. Oh. Oh, and he just chills, chills, and chills. his kid Every- and his kids are looking at him, and he's like, "Go to your aunt Clara's house." And you're like, "Oh my god, <laughs> oh my god!" Yeah, good thing there wasn't therapists back then. Yeah, that, well, if there was, there would have been a premium. <laughs> they would have, they would have been you think, zero. You think, ther- you think therapists make a lot now? Boy, <laughs> let me tell you. Well, was, I lost my arm when I was 11 and things just got progressively worse. Or like, dude, look at one of the presidents of the United States, Andrew Jackson, when he was like oh eight years God. old, has to walk out into a field and pick up his, the body parts of his loved ones and put them in baskets. 
Dude, it's just... Hey, but you know what? You know what? He's still on the 20. He's still on the 20. Bro. He's rocking that $20 bill. He's he rocking rock that trail of tears, too. But that's for... <laughs> you know, uh, we'll leave that. You know, you know what? He had to, uh, he felt like uh, he, you know what? I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna make that joke. I was gonna make I know a... where the fuck you were going was, with that. I was you gonna make a not. trail of tears joke, but you better not. I don't you think, I don't not. think that's a good move. I don't think that's a good way to go. So, on that note, <clears throat> to keep me from making a trail of tears joke, Lana, why don't you hit <laughs> number three? Oh, God, but I really wanted to hear it. Okay. All right. My number three is a movie called The Right with Anthony Hopkins. Um, Gus, this never may seen be it. a movie. Yeah, I was about to say, this This may be one you've never seen. It is a true horror film. Um, and when I say that, I just mean we have a lot of um, what I call nightclub horror movies now. where no, it's Not just, a jump scare movie? It's not a jump scare movie. This movie will make you scared for the rest of your life. It's 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 just got that quality to it where like like we said earlier, it's timeless. It, it you could it was filmed in the nineties, early nineties, but you could watch it in twenty fifty, and it would still be applicably scary. And guess what? It's not the whole this could really happen. It's not one of those like a stranger breaks into your cabin in the middle of the woods. You know, it's not a boat sinking in shark infested waters. It's a demon movie, right? But it's not The Conjuring. It's not, you know, any of these new ones. They're kind of La La Rona and Adabelle. It's it. The all Exorcist those, 59. The Exorcism yeah. of Jimmy Jones. You know what I mean? I mean, it, no disrespect to James Wan. I absolutely love The Conjuring series, all of his movies. I think the score in those movies is fantastic. But the, I mean, they're the pretty, right. They're good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, quick synopsis without a spoiler. Keanu Reeves is um, going Keanu to. Good start. I'm not sure. There you go. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure how to describe it. He's going to uh, school to be a priest. I'm not sure how you would word that properly, but he's trying to become a Catholic priest. Okay. Uh, but he's having all of these issues in his own life, uh, this turmoil and weird encounters and things. And one of the, I guess, deacons or priests of the school he's attending tells him to go see Mr. Anthony Hopkins, who is a priest that graduated from this school, and he focuses on exorcisms. And, hot take real quick. Know, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Hot take real quick. Sure. Anthony sure. Hopkins, greatest actor of all time. Continue. Greatest. Um, I. God, yeah, you may be right, man. He may be the best. I mean, he's got to be in my top five easily, probably top three even. Yeah, he's, oh my God, fantastic. But so essentially Keanu is headed to Anthony Hopkins to learn about how to perform exorcisms. That's the movie. And Anthony Hopkins has to show him how to do this by doing exorcisms. There is no training. There is no Naruto practice and, you know, Dragon Ball Z, Kamakai training shit. It's, it's, this is what we're doing. Come with me. And dude, when I say scary, I mean like, the scenes like the actual uh, picture that you're seeing will jar you more than like when the demon shows up or like when the movie ends the jarring parts of the film are created by the cinematography which is why it's one of my favorite horror films but mm -hmm. yeah it's it's i think it's also accurate if you are the type of person to believe in that sort of thing yeah. Um, you know, demons, exorcisms and all that, you know, growing up in the South and assemblies of God church until I was 13, you know, that you see a lot of crazy shit speaking in tongues, you know, people 
ex, uh, exercising the devil, rebuking Satan and things like that. So it's, it's ingrained in my mind, at least. I think a lot of young kids in the South, or shoot, I think anybody from the South, it's going to be ingrained in you, but this one will take it to another level. So yeah. that, that's what I will say about the race. And if you haven't, if you haven't, <clears throat> I don't know if a lot of people have seen it. So I think that's the right expression. If it's not ingrained to you or something that's not common in your life, you know somebody who has a story. And I'm not talking about like, you know, somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, you know, an individual, one individual that has a story about something relating to that. It's just absolutely. It's a part of religious do. culture. Um, you know, whether you believe in it or not, it's a huge part of religious culture and it's something they take super serious. And I have to look into it because he is, he is my all time favorite actor. So, so Keanu Reeves is great. I'll tell you right now, you knowing you and your the type of movies that you like, the style that you like, you would hate how slow it starts. I'll give you that. The first 15 minutes are going to kill you. But after that, you're going to be entranced because Anthony Hopkins is in, I would say, 90 percent of the movie. So you're good there. Um, but it's also just he doesn't have to be just, just, okay. So say he's in one scene, you move to the next and Hopkins isn't there. You don't mind that because you know, he's coming right back in, in a scene later or two scenes later. Yeah. Um, but I will, I will say if you, I, I know you'll love it. I know you'll love it. Well, I mean, think about just touching and we'll touch on this and then we'll move on as far as Anthony Hopkins goes. Think about how much percentage wise that he's actually in Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I'd say five to 10. Okay. So you have a guy who's in, let's say generously 15 to 20% generously in a movie. The whole entire movie is known for his character in the movie. Clarice. (laughs) I mean, I mean, nobody's like, Oh yeah. Uh, the detective from monk was was buffalo bill so yeah that's the who i remember the, the movie for i mean everyone you know that's seen the movie knows a little the little put the fucking lotion in the basket but yeah every everybody knows that scene man but it's, it's it, it, go ahead no i was just gonna say it's one of those things where people who haven't seen the movie know they know who hannibal Lecter is he's a fictional character well anybody might as well crazy? be people don't know there is a secret sequel to that it's either a sequel or a prequel but it came out after silence of the lambs and it's i can't remember what it's called and i feel shameful for it but anthony hopkins is in that one a lot more than he is in silence of the lambs and people say that the second one is not nearly as good as the first which is a very common thing but yeah man anthony hopkins is a legend there's actually three movies in the trilogy it's actually a trilogy of movies oh okay so it's you have um oh i don't know if i'm gonna get this right but i know the movies are they were made in the order of you have silence of the lambs you have i'm pretty sure then you have hannibal and then you have the red dragon oh and the red dragon you have okay yeah then you have the red dragon where anthony hopkins I think I think it's Hannibal. I think the order that it's supposed to be in is Hannibal, Silence of the Lambs, Red Dragon. Red Dragon. Because gotcha. Ed and Norton 
Ed Norton and then a different woman plays Clarice, but you have Ed Norton and a different woman that plays Clarice. They talk to Hannibal to try to catch this other serial killer who's like thinks he's a like the host for this dragon demon thing. Oh shit. He kills people. It's yeah, it's 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 pretty good. It's neither of them are as good as the as good as Silence of the Lambs, but Anthony Hopkins, I mean, he does a waiver. It's not it's not a performance thing, it's a writing thing. Got you. Got you. Yeah, I can't go wrong with Anthony, man. Can't go wrong. All right, what's your third one, man? Okay, so third, I don't know if you've seen this one. Not a lot of people have. Um, the movie is called Awakenings. With Why do uh, I know that name? It's De Niro, Robin Williams, and uh, uh, just yes. a brief, brief synopsis. Robin Williams is a doctor who... I don't remember what he was doing before, but basically he loses his job. He takes his job at this uh, mental ward in the, not mental ward. That's not the correct term. Psych ward. It was a psych ward. Yes. I'm sorry. Um, a psych ward. I believe it takes place in the seventies and he takes over this unit that is in charge of catatonics. And, um, Dude. He starts looking into this drug called L-Dopa, which he finds all these studies done overseas that show that L-Dopa has been used to treat catatonic patients and bring them back. And the way he notices it, he notices that they fixate on patterns, even though they're in a catatonic state, they fixate on certain patterns. And it may be something as simple as they'll catch and throw a ball back and forth or they'll walk diagonally across black tiles. And so he sees that there's some brain function. It's not a brain function. It's issue. There's like a blockage where there's something not okay. firing. So he gives him this drug and I'm not going to give any spoilers, but he give him, gives him this drug. One of the patients is Robert De Niro and they are awakened. And then they go on this whole journey through what the medicine does to them, what it provides to their life. And, Wow! Fantastic acting, fantastic writing. I got cinematography is like decent. It's not amazing. It probably has like five five settings of places where the movie actually happens, and uh, that's you know that's that's pretty much uh, the awakenings, huh, dude. Yeah, I gotta watch that one, man. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great movie. It's uh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty. That's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. Shoot. Okay. All right. I guess that makes it my turn. I I'm almost the feel, number two, bro. I know. I feel, and this this was really really hard. This this number one and number two. I switched them back and forth. I think three or four times. My number two is Pulp Fiction. <laughs> And it's everybody's favorite. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take the criticism right now, right to the face. Everybody loves Pulp Fiction. Everybody loves Tarantino. But I don't feel that most of the people that have seen Pulp Fiction have seen any other Tarantino movie. I think they've seen Pulp Fiction and maybe Reservoir Dogs. They know nothing about Red Dawn. Django, they may that's have, pretty much it. They, they may have seen Django. They may have seen The Hateful Eight, maybe, but probably not. 
Um, and then of course, everybody's going to go out and see, um, um, the, the newest Tarantino once upon a time uh, in Hollywood, once upon a time in Hollywood. Yes. But this is what pisses me off. Tarantino is a Coke ridden dickhead asshole genius. I, I hate his interviews. I hate how pretentious he is, but I love it at the same time, man. His mind is fucked on the level of Hunter S Thompson. And I'm so for that. Uh, but but to me, Pulp Fiction, other than everything that's amazing about it with the cinematography, the dialogue, it's one of the first films where it would change from scene to scene in a non-chronological order. I mean, there's so many things about it, but, but for me, God, man, it's that scene when they pull up with the dead body because Jules shot his head off or Travolta shot his head off, one of the two. Um, and they pull up and it's that terrible line that we're not allowed to say anymore about dead bleep storage. But yeah. here's, the here's the thing. That line took so much balls. Even, even when that movie came out, that was such a dude. He took such a risk with doing that. He took a risk with everything. And that's my point here is that Tarantino takes risks with every single movie he makes. And he also makes, Hundreds of people read the script before he even puts it into circulation. So, Pulp Fiction for me. Can I t can I give you one of my most darkest, deepest secrets when it comes to movies? I'm pretty sure I know this one, but hit me. I have never watched more than 20 minutes of Pulp Fiction. Can't do it. I think I knew that. I think I, I knew that. I get and, and, and I get 20 minutes in. The furthest I've seen, I don't even know if it's 20 minutes in. The furthest I get in the movie is when he jabs the crackhead in the chest with the uh was it an EpiPen or something? It's straight, it's straight epinephrine. And yeah, it's an it's an adrenaline shot to her heart, and she's not a crackhead to uh to Uma Thurman's fucking credit, she <laughs> accidentally overdosed on John Travolta's heroin, thinking it was cocaine. So she wow. finds a she finds a bag of powder, thinking it's coke, and she rails the like the fattest fucking cigar line you've ever seen. And fattest it's rail of so H. Just... And, it, and you know she's the daughter, or not daughter? I'm sorry, she's the wife of. Marcellus Wallace, the big Don of the city who everybody's working for. Yeah. So Travolta freaks out. Anyways, I'll just start explaining the whole goddamn movie. But yeah, I she's not a crack kid, Gus. God. Bro, the only thing I remember, the last time I watched that movie, tried to watch that movie, I think I tried to watch it with you and we were like 15. So yep, that makes sense. You know, and you, dude, you know how I was. You like lay me down in a dark space for 10 minutes. I'm asleep. <laughs> it, honestly, I won't lie. I, cause we would do like four to five movies back to back. No lie. Yeah. So I would save my favorites for the end. Cause I knew you would crash and I'd be like, all right, now I can watch this. One just part. chill here. And not <laughs> conversation going on. It's just like, me down snoozing in. and you just honing in on the on the flick i mean there was there was an abundance of um sleep apnea noises coming from your face but <laughs> yeah. uh, you know other than that it was fine yeah it's i always hear what a great movie it is i don't know why i can't get over the hump it's just like great it's, like it's reservoir not... dogs i love it haven't seen once upon a time in hollywood yet uh django 
it's pretty it's, it's really good great movie great actors great cinematography uh hateful eight's okay um i wasn't a huge fan of hateful eight i haven't i want to see once upon a time in hollywood and i know that i need to see um i need to sit down and like actually really watch pulp fiction it's just one of those well, things where, you know when you get a bad taste in your mouth for something of dude, something once and then you just don't want to go back to it no that's and that's the thing bro is there i've met a ton of people who have said the exact same thing they're like i just i just don't get it i just can't get into it man i can't get into it and it's it's one of those bro it's an acquired taste type of deal it's uh i wouldn't i wouldn't like don't subject yourself to it but if it happens to be playing and you're in the right mode let it play because there are some pretty awesome scenes in that movie that really made cinema history but yeah dude i, I definitely wouldn't feel any type of way about it having not seen it or, or not or i'm sorry not seeing the whole thing or not being a fan of it because it is a very acquired taste type film but what i'm super curious about now is what is your number two so it was really hard for me to pick between one and two just because i love both of these it's not one of those things where i think it's a great movie it's something that i've seen it a million times and there's nothing i there's nothing that i don't like about either of these movies um it's really just something that comes down to how much the movie resonates so my number two is shawshank redemption okay well i guess i better stop you right there uh, because that is my number one so we may as well just do a deep dive on shawshank real quick yeah so oh man shawshank it's where do we start you know i i'll be honest i'm not gonna give a synopsis because if you haven't seen shawshank redemption all you need to know is Go watch Shawshank Redemption. You got three hours. You have three hours. Go watch Shawshank Redemption. Just do it. It's worth the time. It's going to be automatically. It will be. If it's not in your if it's not in your top two, it's automatically it'll be in your top five. Just it will be. Just watch it. it. If you have any type of taste when it comes to film, you'll like the movie. Just go watch it. But dude morgan freeman can i can i tell you something don't even know what andy do i don't even know what the guy who played andy dufresne's name is don't even know uh, i don't either i don't doesn't either. matter though doesn't matter <laughs> it, well isn't that a little bit sad like <laughs> he's so so good and it, i'm sure my, you know our parents know his name it's not oh, 100%. It's, just, it's just it's just our generation like i i mean because it was just too long ago, man. But uh, so, uh, and, and I won't take too long here. Morgan fucking Freeman. All right. The, because we know him as so many different characters, but you always get this, like, I'm safe when Morgan Freeman comes on screen vibe, right? Yeah, I'm, nothing I'm, bad's you know, really going to happen. Nothing bad's going to happen when Morgan's here. And that, it was such a, such an astute choice for that character because they could have gone so many routes the year that that movie was made they could have gone so many different directions but the fact that they chose him with the actor who plays andy uh such an oreo right there man and that was not intentional that pun but it was there 
um, they just go together so fucking well. Oh, dude, they go together fantastically. And what's what's really interesting is that they could have gone a whole other direction with the character of that of Red in general. And obviously, Andy is the the main character of the movie. But the there there's two main. The movie is about Andy Dufresne, but there's two main characters in the movie. It's Red, and it's Andy. The whole movie circles around those two people. Yeah, and I don't know if you have that okay i'll say this and then i'll say what i was just gonna say i don't know if the movie has a success it has without having morgan freeman play red and that's not just because of notoriety and that's because i don't know if you can have the character of andy exist in a vacuum you well that that's the whole point of the film is that if he wouldn't have found red, he'd be dead. He wouldn't have survived prison. I mean, at all. And he, he couldn't have been anything except for a literal mental case and scared the entire time. So to answer your question on the actor note, that actor would have been left in a vacuum and it wouldn't have been very good without Freeman on a story note. Like as far as the story goes, Again, you can't you can't leave Dufresne alone. He had to have yeah. somebody. You can't put him with a white guy. That didn't make that just doesn't make sense because then you get this weird like Aryan vibe and it doesn't really well, I mean, play that's the same. The only real I mean, I guess it depends on if you consider like Italians like full blooded Italians white or not. But when you're talking about white white, like really white, like me white. We got yeah Andy Dufresne and then you can't have him because the only other really white white guys like that in the movie are the the antagonists of the movie yeah there's like four antagonists in the movie they're all the same as Andy in that sense so it almost exactly. becomes like <clears throat> you were a part of this like group and now you're a part of this group and exactly it's such a it's so there's so many not just messages in the movie but there's so many just underlying things of like you might be somewhere alone and totally isolated and there's nobody really there that's like you or around you that you can relate to but there's always there's always a way there's always a way to get it always a way there's There's always going to be a red you just have to find them exactly exactly i mean you remember like remember the scene you know they're rolling in on the prison bus and they're all fucking cheering and they're you know fresh fish fresh fish and you see red and all of his homies just kind of chilling and they're taking bets on which one is going to break first and they're giving out the cigarettes okay that that scene where he or i'm sorry he's not giving out cigarettes he's got a notepad and he's writing down who's gonna owe who because he's yeah. like the bookie of the prison. That scene, man, I think that scene's even cooler than whenever they do the whole, you know, laundry room thing and the delivery of, of what they ordered and all that. Yeah. It, I think that the first scene is cooler because it establishes exactly who Red is within like 30 seconds. Within yeah. 30 seconds of the film, you know exactly who this motherfucker is. He kind of runs shit. He knows his shit. And, you know, he's not an evil guy it's power without violence was, it, there you go there you go yeah he exhibits power it's, without violence 
And it's such a counterpart because if you really look at who's the op, the guard, don't I don't remember the guy's name. The guard, the main guard. Yeah, the, the abusive one. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of the opposite of Red, and so exactly. is the warden. The two guys that hold power, but they wield their power with violence, and then they hide behind something. But Red yeah. has nothing to hide behind. It's just like, and that's brought to light so much in the scene where he goes to parole. Yes. And he's like, you know, frankly, at this point, I don't give a shit. So just stamp your piece of paper and let me go back to my cell. And then they let him. Yeah. It's yeah. And then they let him go. Man. It's just amazing, man. Amazing. I mean, like, and hey, guys, if you didn't want spoilers, you should have already watched Shawshank fucking Redemption. It's yeah. been out for ages. Like, and I mean, look, 40 fucking years. Long fucking time. And you know what? There um, wasn't even, there's not even that many spoilers. Just, you just, it's but, just a ride, man. Just take yeah. the ride. Take the ride. It is, I will say, fair warning, great nap movie. For me, anyway, <laughs> it's, it's a great nap movie. Because for me, I can fall asleep any point in the movie, then wake up any point in the movie, and you're I'm like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what's going on here. This guy's about and to do this. just as happy, just yeah. as much serotonin flowing through the brain. It's fucking perfect. Yeah, 100%. So... Um, there are other segments of the show, so I'm going to go ahead and jump into the to the to my number one. This movie has a special place in my heart, not just because of the actors, the story and just I the first time I saw this movie, I think I was like seven. It's not really a great movie to watch with a seven year old. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like I feel like whatever you're about to say is way, way too mature for a seven year old. Yeah. I mean, but my father, he's definitely like, that's what we did. We watched movies. You know, that was what that's what we did. That was one of our bonding things. And one of his favorite movies and my all time favorite is The Green Mile. Wow, dude. Memories flying back. Michael Clark Duncan tom hanks that old dude that's like been around for like a million years and looks exactly the same the really tall skinny dude with the thin ass hair and then uh mr noodle from sesame street ed qua delacroix yep. he's in there <laughs> you really fucking love this movie. Dude, you have no idea bro I, I cannot tell you how many times this is the movie that I would pass out to and I have narcolepsy dude I fucking I can't sleep for the life of me man and this movie would just zonk me out but you would be at the edge of your seat just waiting to see Tom Hanks just oh hang on hang on hang on dude it's uh, the whole movie because the whole movie there's not a portion of the movie that doesn't hold meaning the cinematography is great. The acting, and you know what? This is this is really the all that needs to be said. The acting, even not the non-A-list actors in the movie, it's one of the best acted movies I've ever watched. It's superb. It's superb. To play the, those characters on that serious of a level, uh, I mean... And just everything that they go through between what happens to Dale and what happens to john at the end of the movie and then everything that happens with john in the movie there's so much serious undertone and it's there is not a lick of anything but seriousness in the entire movie it's a great movie if you haven't seen it you just need to go watch it 